A Room for Kathy, Chapter 2, Moving Day Kathy awoke to the instant knowledge that this was the day they were going to move to the new house. Chris was already up. She discovered by leaning over the side of the bed. The bedroom door stood open and voices came from the kitchen. Kathy threw off the covers and reached for the ladder with her foot. This is the last time I'll sleep in this upper bunk, she thought. I'll sleep in the same bed, but it won't be on top of Chris. I'll be in my own, own room this very night. She could hardly believe that this was the wonderful day. A suitcase half full of the underclothes and Chris's lay open on the floor. The rug had been rolled up. The curtains were down. Kathy's feet curled from the cold floor as she reached for her bathrobe and scurried into the hall. Mother was serving oatmeal to Daddy, Chris, and Jeffrey in the kitchen. Hello, dear. Pull up a chair. The movers will be here any minute, she said. The shelves were bare and the dishes were down from the cupboards. They were in boxes on the floor. Pots and pans peaked from the cartons on the floor, canisters of sugar and coffee, jars of peanut butter and jelly, and boxes of beans and rice. Jeffrey was saying, I want to go with you, Daddy. No, son, there won't be enough room, Daddy told him. I have to ride in the van to show the men where to go. You'll go with Mother and the girls. Jeff kicked the table rebelliously and dropped his cereal spoon into the dish. Nobody paid any attention, so he picked it up again and went on eating. The doorbell sounded. Instantly, Jeffrey dropped his spoon again with a clatter and shot out of his chair and into the other room. Kathy started to follow him. Finish your breakfast first, dear, Mother told her. But I want to get dressed, Kathy spoke in an urgent whisper. I don't want those men to see me in this messy old bathrobe, Chris said. I'm through, she slid out of her chair and trotted into the other room. Kathy swallowed her cereal and gulped some milk. She shook her head at Mother's offer of toast and finally escaped to the bedroom. Chris was getting dressed in some old, dirty dress. Chris, Kathy said, why are you putting on that old dress? Because we're moving, and I love this dress. Kathy threw open the closet door and took out a freshly ironed plaid cotton. Well, I'm going to dress up and wear my gold locket, she said. This is a very big, important day, in case you didn't realize it. Just the same, I'm going to wear this dress. Chris left the room without much ado and without even combing her hair. Kathy shook her head over her departing sister as she got out clean underclothes and robed herself in suitable fashion for this great occasion. She combed her hair, parted it carefully, and pinned it trimly into place with a red beret. Then, surrounded by a strong aura of summer garden toilet water, she emerged into the midst of the movers. The children had gone outside to watch the loading. Kathy preferred to stay in the house and see the wide wall space up, open up as the furniture was carried out. She thought she might be helpful to the movers, and kept darting forward to drag a chair out of the way or seize a cushion from a sofa until one of the two men said, Move out of the way, sister. That's a good little girl. Come help me fold the bedclothes, Kathy, mother said, coming hurriedly out of the kitchen. Together they stripped the beds, folded sheets, and blankets. You may carry these out to the car, mother said, handing her a pile. Tell Chris to come and get some things, too. 
She glanced at Kathy. Why are you all dressed up? I just wanted to be, Kathy carried the bedding out, but stayed apart from the other children. She wanted the movers to realize that she was much, much older, one of the grown-up members of the family. The living room was empty now, and Kathy followed the two men as they tramped into the bedroom. As one of them tugged the mattress from the upper bunk, her dress-up treasures lay revealed. Oh, she cried. Will you please give me that dress and the silver slippers and those jewels and things? I forgot to pack them last night. The man handed them to her, and Kathy beamed at him, holding up the dress to him to admire. These are my most valuable possessions, he explained. Yeah, the man grinned at her. Kathy happily bundled her treasures into the suitcase and her underclothes. For a moment, she considered slipping on the silver shoes to impress the moving men, but just then, he said, Out of the way now, girly. And although his tone was kind, she backed hastily into a corner. Kathy wondered how they would get the beds through the narrow door. What she saw gave her a shock. One of the men stooped and with a quick jerk pulled the headboard from the rest of the bed. Then he gave another jerk. Why, a bed was not a bed at all, Kathy thought. With an odd feeling that the men might come apart too, a bed was just two flat pieces and a couple of long boards. The other bedroom was emptied, then the kitchen. Finally, there was nothing more of interest going on in the house, so Kathy put on her good coat and went outdoors. Daddy was carrying armfuls of boxes and clothes still on their hangers and loaded them into the car. Come on, Kathy, he called. Get the rest of your clothes and see what else Mother has to bring out. Kathy took the remaining clothes from the closet and carried them out. Chris, she shouted, go get your clothes. At last, the bedroom and closets were empty. Chris lugged out her doll trunk. The back seat of the car was stacked so high with clothes and other belongings that they hid the back window. Children, Mother called from the door. Come in now. We're almost ready to go. Kathy ran in. Her heart was beating fast as the actual moment approached. Chris followed her, but Jeff, who had stayed close to the open end of the big van all morning, merely hugged a tree and swung himself back and forth as the men fitted the last of the furniture into place. Daddy washed his hands. The moving men perspiring came in to the house and came past Kathy. Well, Daddy said to the mother, zipping up his sports jacket, I'll see you in Middlebridge. You'll probably pass us on the way if you get started pretty quick. We're getting started immediately, Mother told him. Just as soon as I can collect these three and come sure everything is, and make sure everything is gone. When Kathy looked out, the back of the van was closed. Daddy climbed up on the high seat with the two men. The heavy motor sprang into life and slowly the loaded van moved out from the curb, turned and crawled down the street. When its throb had faded, Kathy turned from the window. They're gone! Mother echoed her sigh of relief. Now just let me look around once more and we'll be on our way. Call Jeffrey, will you, Kathy? Kathy went to the door, but Jeff was not in sight. Jeffrey! She waited for him to appear around a corner of the house, but he did not come. 
Now we've got to go and find that boy, she declared in exasperation. I bet he went in the moving van, Chris said. Kathy raised her voice. Maybe he went in the moving van, she called to Mother, who was in the kitchen. Oh, no, Mother called back. Daddy wouldn't take him without telling us. I mean inside the moving van, Chris explained. That brought Mother to the living room. She looked at Chris thoughtfully for a moment, weighing this possibility. Then she spoke quickly. Both of you run out, she said. Go to the playground and all around and call him and hurry right back. Then Mother slipped on her coat went out too. They scoured green acres in a matter of moments. Jeff was not there. Come on, mother said briefly, as they reached the apartment again. We're overtaking that van. Kathy, carry this box of things from the refrigerator. Take this basket, Chris. Kathy had intended to visit each room in the apartment for a last time and say goodbye. Goodbye, little apartment. I hope some nice people will come to live in you. It wasn't your fault that you weren't big enough for us, or something like that. But there was no time. Mother shooed them out, banged the door behind them, and practically ran with them down the walk to the car. Kathy sat on the edge of the front seat as Mother, a little frown of concentration on her brow, started the engine and headed the car in the direction of the van. By this time, the van had been gone fifteen minutes. Do you think we'll catch it? Chris inquired. I certainly hope so, Chris. Did Jeffrey say anything about going in the van? He just said, when the men went into the house, he said, we could climb in there, and they'd never know. What did you say? I said, no, Jeffrey. You might get smothered or something. Kathy grabbed for the window handle as Mother suddenly stepped on the gas and the car gave a plunge. She glanced quickly at her mother, who was looking rather frightened. Kathy was not frightened. This was exciting, just like something in a story. But she felt sorry for her mother. "'You should have made him come away or told Daddy,' she said to Chris severely. "'I didn't know he would really do it.' They were on the highway now and Mother's foot firmly pressed the accelerator until they were passing all the cars on the road. Chris, in the middle, sat up straight, trying to see. And Kathy perched on the edge of her seat, strained for a glimpse of the moving van. Mother finally glanced sideways at them. "'Please sit back,' she said. "'You make me more nervous, and goodness knows I'm nervous enough already.' "'Will Jeffrey get smothered?' Chris inquired intently. "'Chris!' mother exploded, with another outraged glance at her mother. Oh, I dare say he'll have a lovely trip, mother retorted. No doubt he is pleased as punched with himself this minute. There's the moving van, Kathy shrieked. Sure enough, the rear of the van loomed in the distance ahead of them. Just then, one of the few traffic lights on the highway flashed a red between them and the truck. Oh, Kathy exclaimed, bouncing with impatience. The light was red, and it stayed red. The light turned yellow, then green. Kathy and Chris laughed delightedly. Now they really raced to overtake the van, which was out of sight again. Both girls sat erect, eyes strained. This time they saw the rear of the van at the same moment and leaned forward as if to urge the car ahead. At last they drew alongside the van. Mother sounded the horn, long and instantly. 
As they flew by, Kathy lowered her window and shouted, Stop! Stop! She caught a glimpse of the man's face, turned wonderingly at her direction. Then Mother, who had drawn ahead some distance, stopped at the edge of the highway. The van lumbered along, slowed, and came to a halt behind them. Stay in the car, Mother ordered, opening her door. No, no, Kathy couldn't stay there. She had to see. Oh, please, please let us come too. Well, get out on the other side then. By this time, Daddy was walking towards them. Daddy, we think Jeffrey is in the van, Kathy cried, running to meet him. Phil, is Jeff in the van? Mother said quickly. Chris thinks he's in there, and we couldn't find him. Good heavens. It took the moving men only a minute to open the rear of the van. There was no sign of Jeff, only a mattress that practically filled the opening. The men lifted the mattress down. Jeff! Mother called. No answer. Kathy's legs began to shake. She was frightened now, in spite of herself. Jeff! She echoed. No answer. Hope we don't have to unload the van, one of the men said. Jeffrey! Chris said in her soft little voice. Come on out, Jeffrey. You won't get scolded. There was another moment's silence. I can't get out, a small voice said. Instantly, the men went into action. They pulled out one of the big upholstered living room chairs. Behind the chair and under a small table sat Jeff, rubbing his eyes. It was clear that he had been asleep. He blinked sleepily at the assembled group. Then Jeffrey saw his mother, and without a word of explanation, he catapulted out of the car and into her arms, clutching her around the neck. The men looked on for a moment, shook their heads, muttered, and proceeded to reload the chair and the mattress. Daddy said, What next? Chris hugged Jeff around the legs. Kathy let out a deep breath of happiness and relief. Mother and Jeffrey held on to each other. Okay, Daddy said finally. Now, are you ready to go into the car with Mother? Jeff nodded and transferred himself to his father's arms. Daddy carried him to the car and the others trailing behind. I'll get in the back seat, Chris volunteered. All right, Chris, Kathy approved. You're smaller than I am, and it's pretty full back there. She wanted to get Jeff next to her on the front seat and snuggle him up tight. With Jeff ensconced between his mother and big sister, Chris riding high on a pile of blankets, Mother gave a brief toot-toot of departure to the van, pulled into the road, and once again they headed for the new house. Chapter 3 In the Snow Kathy came deliberately down the staircase, her hand sliding on the dark, curving rail. She was pretending to be a lady coming to have the maid serve tea. She turned left through the arch of the foot of the stairs, swept into the living room, and seated herself with elegance in a Windsor chair. She was wearing the high-heeled silver slippers and the flower dress fastened with a brooch. She had tied the gown at the waist with a black velvet ribbon. On her head perched a flowered hat. She wore the white gloves and carried the handbag. Waiting politely for her tea, Kathy glanced through the window. Snow was still drifting down through the storm, that had swept the valley since the night before, had almost blown itself out. What a good thing they had gone here before the blizzard. Kathy gave a little shiver in the comfortable room and looked at the fireplace. If only she could have a fire in it. 
Daddy and Mother had been too busy getting unpacked to build one. There was not too much furniture in the big, high-ceiling living room. Still, it looked nice, Kathy thought. They could buy lots more things when Daddy got the promotion. She got up and wandered onto the smaller room behind the folded back doors. This was the TV room. Behind that was a small room that previously occupants of the house had used for a laundry. Kathy paused to look out the laundry window. The yard stretched back to an old gray barn, and beyond the barn lay the remnants of a small orchard. There were fruit trees there, apple, cherry, and peach, but Daddy said that probably would not be much fruit this year. Beyond the orchard and the far-reaching fields, the low hills were obscured by a veil of snow. Kathy walked from the TV room into the hall and, wand and wandered across to the dining room. A clatter came from the kitchen as Mother stowed dishes and pans the, into the cupboards. The other children were out in the snow, and Daddy was off somewhere. How strange it felt with no one around. Abandoning her tea party, Kathy went back upstairs and walked slowly into one bedroom and then another, her high heels clicking on the bare floors. It was a good feeling to have so many rooms to go into, so many rooms, all so empty and silent. Something inside her gave a great stir like a cat waking up from sleep and stretching luxuriously. She went into her own room and sat down on the bed to look around and mentally decorate it. Nothing had been done here for a long time. The walls were faded and soiled. The room held only her bed and the bureau and one of the chairs from her old bedroom. I would like yellow paint, Kathy thought dreamily, gazing around, so it will always look as if the sun were shining, and I would like that shiny material with little rose beds on it for the draperies, in my bedspread, too, with white ruffles around it. And I'll have a dressing table, Mother said. We would manage to get one, perhaps even before the promotion. She went through the bathroom, which also needed paint. The adjoining bedroom was even worse than her own. Still, it would be nice room when it was painted and they had bought some furniture. She could picture Judy coming, visiting, and herself saying good night in a grown-up way and closing the door behind the rooms. On second thought, though, it would be more fun just to close the door into the hall, scamper back and forth between their rooms, giggling as much as they felt like. Kathy could hardly wait until these rooms were all decorated and furnished. She went down to the kitchen to talk to Mother. My goodness, Mother said, reaching to set the waffle iron on a shelf. You haven't even hung up your clothes. Let's have a little order here before we start painting. But I can't wait till my room is all fixed up. Kathy climbed the stairs again, and this time not nearly as much as an elegant lady as an impatient little girl. Her dresses still lay on the chair where she had dumped them in the day before. Kathy sighed and looked at the still unpacked suitcases. Her treasures were there, the rest of the jewels, the empty compact, an almost empty lipstick, old ribbons and flowers. Now that she had a bureau to herself, she could use a whole drawer for dress-up things instead of hiding them under the mattress. What an unbelievable luxury! 
Kathy lovingly unpacked her belongings and laid them neatly in the drawer. There! I'm going up to the attic, she decided. With the children outdoors and mother way off downstairs, the whole house was hers, and she still felt that strong urge to reach out into every corner and enjoy possession to the full. She had been in the attic yesterday, and noticing a pile of old books, she had made a mental note that she wanted to go through them. She went up the steep stairs on tiptoe and silence of the house hushing her steps. Kathy looked around the dim rafters, space stretching back to darkness under the sloping roof. She could see a couple of old trunks and other objects back there. This is the tower of a castle, she thought, and I'm a princess who lives in the castle. Still in her trailing finery and flowered hat, the princess went over the dusty pile of books and instantly forgot everything else. The first book on the stack was a green-covered volume entitled Five Little Peppers. Kathy read the first page, carried the book to the top step near the windows, and sat down. She had not heard the bell ring, but some time later she raised her head conscious of voices far below. She listened. Then, taking the book with her, she tiptoed down the stairs and hung over the balustrade. I'll call Kathy. She's upstairs somewhere. She heard her mother say. Mother started up the stairs and then saw her. Oh, there you are, dear. Come on down. She gave a second look. Put something else on. Kathy slipped off her trailing gown and selected a pink skirt and blouse. She folded a fresh white handkerchief carefully so its point protruded smartly from her blouse pocket. She brushed her hair and swished on some summer garden. She glanced down, saw the silver slippers, and decided to keep them on. They looked so beautiful and made her feel so grown up. Then she descended the stairs to the living room. A lady and a girl about her own age were sitting there with Mother. Mother turned towards Kathy with a smile. Mrs. McArdle, this is my older daughter, Kathy. The McArdles are our next-door neighbors, dear, and this is Martha. She's nine years old, too. Kathy gave her hand to Mrs. McArdle and said, How do you do? Then she said, Hello, and sat down near Martha, glancing at her quickly. Martha had red hair and a sweet little freckled face. For a few minutes, the two girls sat shyly, listening to their mothers. We were out late last night, Mrs. McArdle said. When I saw you were here this morning, I decided to come right over and get acquainted. They brought us the most delicious-looking dish of macaroni and cheese you ever saw, Mother told Kathy, and we are so glad to know our neighbors. Kathy caught Martha's glance at the silver shoes. She wiggled her feet. I was all dressed up when you came, she explained with a chuckle, while her mother and Mrs. McArdle talked. I had on a beautiful dress and a flowered hat. Do you like to dress up? Martha nodded. I love to. "'Would you like to see our house?' Kathy inquired. "'All right,' Martha looked pleased. "'I've been here before when the Cartwrights lived here. "'But I'd like to see it again,' she added politely. "'Of course, practically everything has to be done to this place,' "'Mother was explaining to Mrs. McArdle as the girls departed. "'Kathy took Martha over the first floor. "'On the way upstairs, she apologized.' 
It looks awful up here, but it's going to look just beautiful when we get everything done. This is my room, she said as they went into it. It is going to be painted yellow, and I am going to have a flowered bedspread and curtains and everything just beautiful. This is my private bath, she led the way through, and this room is also part of my private suite, only it's going to be a guest room. Martha seemed impressed. They made a tour of the attic, and on the way down, she said, What grade are you in? Fourth. Then you'll be in my class. There are only ten in the class, Martha told her. You'll be the eleventh. I saw the school, the outside, Kathy said. It's a nice school. We only have four rooms. The kindergarten and the fifth and the sixth grades go to the consolidated school. Kathy nodded. I know. My brother is going there. He's delighted because he's going on the school bus. They were back in Kathy's room now, and Martha glanced towards the window. Look, she exclaimed. It stopped snowing. Kathy looked out and saw a pale streak of sunlight laying across the cold, snowy landscape. Let's go out, Martha cried. Have you got a sled? Kathy shook her head. You can use my brother's, Martha said. Come on, let's go see if Gretchen can come out too. Kathy started down, then remembered the slippers. I better take these off, she said, laughing. They would be silly in the snow, wouldn't they? The air felt damp, but deliciously fresh and cold, as the two girls waded through the snow to Martha's house. They found the sleds in the garage and pulled them along, heading across the road. We kept between these houses, Martha said, over the South Street. Gretchen lives next to the post office. We only have two streets, north and south, she explained. Then she pointed down the road to a span crossing a narrow stream. Beyond the bridge, the road curves into the woods. See that bridge? That's the end of the town. The two streets come together there. A brown cocker came through the snow, and, wet and panting, Martha stopped. Hello, Beans, she said. Hello, Beans, Kathy echoed, patting his head. That's the store over there. Want me to introduce you to Mrs. Himmel? Gretchen? Mother sh Martha shouted to the girl, pulling a sled. We'll be over in a minute. Wait. She led Kathy into the grocery, which smelled of coffee, pickles, and presented her importantly to a stout, friendly lady behind the counter. And there in the post office next door, Martha pointed out, as they went outdoors again, Gretchen was smaller than Martha and Kathy, with curly, dark hair and a friendly smile. Some of the kids have gone up to Trahoon's Hill to coast, she told them. Do you want to go too? Sure, Martha cried. They headed back towards North Street and turned up the road from Kathy's house. They had gone only a few steps, drawing their sleds, when Kathy heard cries behind her. Kathy, wait! She explained, That's my sister and brother. I'll have to wait for them. Chris and Jeff were plodded toward them, covered with snow, happy and out of breath. Come on if you want to, Kathy told them. We're going coasting, only you haven't got any sleds. We don't care. The frosty air billowed through Chris's mouth, and her cheeks were scarlet. A snow plow was already on the job and passed them as they trooped along. Jeff dropped behind to watch with fascinated interest. Ahead on their left, Kathy saw a deep, gently sloped field. 
At the top of the group of children shouted and ran with their sleds, dropping to the ground with a force that carried them all the way down the slope. The snow is packed down some already, Martha said. Come on, let's go. In the deep snow, the hill seemed steep to climb. When they reached the top, Martha and Gretchen were on the sleds and coasting in a moment. Kathy felt uncertain. She had never done any real coasting. They had seldom had enough snow in the city. The streets were too full of traffic, usually. She watched the way the others ran and flopped on their sleds. Then she didn't think she could do that. Come on, Kathy, Martha cried, puffing uphill. I don't know how. Lie down on the sled on your stomach, Martha instructed her. I'll give you a push. Kathy stretched out awkwardly, and Martha ran behind, giving a good, strong push. The sled went down, but not as fast as the others. Let me do it. Let me, Kathy, Chris cried when she climbed back. Do you want to use my sled for a while? Gretchen asked Kathy kindly. Thank you. Kathy watched a boy as he ran with his sled. I'm going to try that, she declared. The first time, she hit the sled with a jar and took the wind out of her, but she got a beautiful start. Down the hill she flew, the cold wind stinging her eyes and making her nose prickle. Oh, I want to do that again, she cried, laughing out loud as she climbed back up the hill. But she let Jeff take the sled next. As she stood watching him push off his feet, Gretchen said, Does just your family live in the house? Kathy nodded. Yes. You must be rich, Gretchen said. Oh, no, Kathy said modestly, but my father is going to get a promotion. You can come over as soon as I get my bedroom decorated and my bath, she immediately invited. Gretchen looked at her with respect. The red sun was setting when Kathy and the others finally headed for home. Their soaked hands and feet were stinging with cold, but inwardly they were glowing. In front of Martha's house, Kathy handed back her sled. Thank you, Martha, she said. She felt as if they were old friends now. I'll see you tomorrow at school. I'll watch for you to come by, Martha assured her. The younger children still had not had their fill of the snow and decided to stay out. Daddy was at the house when Kathy went in. Oh, she gasped, tugging her coat off. We had the most fun. Daddy, won't you please build a fire in the fireplace? My feet are just frozen. Bring in a couple of those small logs from the back porch, Daddy said. I'll get some kindling. She helped lug in the logs and watched as her father laid clumps of paper and kindling. The fire ran through the pile, caught and whipped quickly upward in a clear yellow tongue of flame. How lovely and warm! Kathy sat down on the leather stool in front of the fire and pulled off her socks. She held her icy red toes in her hands, then stretched them out to the delicious warmth. Soon she remembered something and went up to get it. When she came back with the five little peppers, the fire was crackling and snapping in a brisk blaze. The wood smelled pungent in the warm room. Reflected flames leapt on the darkened walls. Outside, the red glow in the sky had faded as a cold winter dusk closed in. Kathy pulled a big chair close to the light of the fire and settled herself bare feet on the stool close to the warmth. 
With a sigh of perfect contentment, she opened her book.